When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the uh, transfer deadline day was early this morning Australian time, so the transfer window is now shut for the mid-season stage of the uh, domestic European season over in England, over across the continent. And there was a couple of pretty big moves, actually. It was a uh, pretty busy deadline day, and some involved our own Australian footballers, including one Socceroo. So I thought let's go over to England and have a chat to Rob Tanner, who works for The Athletic and in particular covers the Leicester City Beat. He's with us here on the Sporting Capital. Evening to you, Rob, uh, or morning, I guess, over there. Rob, how's things? Well, well, I don't know whether it's morning or evening after transfer deadline day, so that's fine. <laughs> Either will do. <laughs> How late were you up till, uh, till last night filing away? I think we finally had the last bit of transfer news about quarter past midnight um, with Casey McAteer going out on loan to Wimbledon as a youngster. But we also had the um, the surprise of Mark Brighton, one of the, the the last of the uh, title winners, going out on loan to West Bromwich Albion. So it was a late night, and all, of course we had uh, we had to wait a long time for confirmation on Harry Suter. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Harry Suter, the uh, the big story from our perspective. So did you say the last of the the title winners, Mark Brighton? No, one of one of the last. There's Jamie Vardy. Um, oh yeah, Daniel Amartey still from that squad, although Daniel didn't play. A lot during the title-winning season. It was Mark, who was one of the regulars with uh, with Jamie. So it's, it feels like an end of an era in many ways, although he's still got a year left on his Leicester contract, so it might not be the end of him in a Leicester shirt, but mm. uh, certainly for this season it is. So let's start off with Harry Sutar then. A move to the Premier League. It was looking, uh, it was looking pretty likely after uh, the World Cup for the Australian centre-back, and it got done in the final couple of hours of deadline day. Why do you think Leicester City is the best move for our Socceroo centre-back? Well, I just think he's ready. He's been through a lot with his ACL injury. Uh, he's done well at Stoke. Um, I think it's time for him to test himself at his age, 24, to step up uh, and have a go at the Premier League and see see if he can um, make that step up. Um, it'll be a big jump for him, big leap from the Championship. I mean, physically, the demands are very high in the championship but the quality is just on another level in the Premier League so um, yeah he's obviously a big lad six foot six he's going to add a lot of um, of a, a physical profile to this uh, Leicester side which are quite a small side but all the lads they brought in in this window seem to be of a certain stature as well I mean they've been bullied at set pieces over the last couple of seasons that's been a an Achilles heel for them at both ends of the pitch so um Let's hope Harry can come in and uh, and be that sort of that leader in those situations. Yeah, the, the quality, the jumping quality is pretty big from from the second division to the first division, the Premier League. Um, what kind of qualities does Harry Sutar have, and what will he, what might he have to add to his game to be able to keep up with the physicality and the pace of the Premier League? Well, straight away when people talk about his height, there's a fear that he's going to be um, another Yannick Vestergaard type sign. I mean, Yannick was the wrong profile. Uh, Brendan likes his defenders to be to defend forwards. That means they've got to push into to midfield, to engage, to press, to squeeze, but also be able to defend space. If they turn, they've got to have the pace to recover. And, and, and I know that some fans will go, oh, we hope he's not another Yannick Best guy. Well, he's more like a Harry Maguire, mm. you know, I think, in the way he, he plays. It's, it's a very similar sort of 
stature to, to Harry, and Harry was effective as well for, for Leicester. So, what area he'll have to improve on is that ability to defend one on one and defend on his own, it, because you know the way Leicester play, um, defenders can get a little bit isolated, uh, but also on the ball, uh, they build from the back, they play out from the keeper. So he's got to improve on that side of his game as well. So there's always improvements and, and that's why Leicester signed young players like this. I mean, Harry's the oldest one of the three they brought in in this window because there's the prospect of them improving, developing and then being worth even more to them if, if they eventually uh, move on to another club. So he's got that potential, but it's up to him now. When I think of uh, Leicester in this spell in the Premier League over the last couple of years, I think of their good track record at seeing some of those big framed centre-backs flourish. So Wes Morgan was the captain who captained them to the title. Uh, Robert Huth was alongside him. Ha- Harry Maguire, as you mentioned. Wesley Fofana most recently, who's now gone to Chelsea. A little bit smaller in stature, but still a centre-back. Is is yeah. Harry Sutar going to see regular minutes at the Foxes? Yeah, I think so. I think he'll come straight into challenge. I don't think Leicester were looking to bring in players that, and, and that need time um, to, to adapt and will only see a certain amount of minutes. They've, they've all got to be front line. Um, I mean, they've got loads of injury problems again this season. Johnny Evans, the club captain, uh, we don't know a return date yet for him. He pulled a calf muscle in the, in the warm-up games before the season started again. Um, looks like Brendan's lost all faith in Vestergaard and Charles Yunshu as well. Uh, he's playing Danny Amate. He's been converted into a centre-back uh, alongside Valt Fars. So I, I can see Harry coming straight in and partnering Valt. Uh, I mean, it might, he might even make his, his full debut at Aston Villa at the weekend. You know, that, that's how much they need defensive bodies in now and a and, and, and bit more um, strength in depth in those areas. They've got a few that are starting to come back from injury, like Ricardo Pereira could be back soon. But centre-back, they've been left very short. Leicester's current position on the table, uh, Rob, it's, they're still sort of just above the relegation zone right now, but not by much. Do you see them now being able to get on a bit of a, a run at least and getting some points in their next couple of fixtures? Yeah, well, I hope so, because they needed the, the, the boost of these players coming in. Tete coming in on the right wing. He'll add a bit more quality to the attack. I like the look of the left-back they've brought in, Victor Christensen, Denmark under-21. Um, new signings give everybody a boost. They provide competition, and Brendan's got this phrase where competition is the best coach to him. You know, it pushes players. So I think if they could have done Jack Harrison from Leeds as well, that would have been an even boost for them. But a lot of their rivals down there have done a lot of business in this window as well. So, um, you know, it all depends who hits the ground running, who who fits in quicker, who can get uh, some momentum going because it's very, very tight down in that bottom area of the, the Premier League. And, you know, nobody can rest on the laurels down there at all. The rest of the deadline day, there was a lot that happened, actually. It was pretty busy those last 24 hours uh, elsewhere mostly, around the Premier League. Mostly at Chelsea. Well, mostly at Chelsea, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. The, big, the biggest deal was Enzo Fernandez, who, who um, well, his transfer from Benfica in Portugal to Chelsea is a British record now, £106 million for a contract of eight years. He's 22 years old. He was at River Plate in Argentina, his home nation. Half a season at Benfica. He was a standout for Argentina at the World Cup. Uh, One of my favourite players to watch. I didn't really know much about him before the World Cup. I don't think many people did, but he made himself known to the world. And and, and therefore, his price tag skyrocketed. He's he's a good player. He's going to be a great player, I think. But is that the right price tag for Enzo Fernandez? 
Well, Chelsea are just uh, out there on their own in terms of what they're spending at the moment. It's incredible, really. I mean, we've, we're supposed to have financial fair play regulations. We're supposed to restrict um, the amount of, of expenditure at clubs so they can't spend beyond their means. But uh, the money's just being pumped in. And, and what they're doing is they've found a loophole in the FFP regulations where if they can spread the cost of these deals over a period of time. I mean, that's why he's got an eight-year contract. You know, they can spread spread the cost of this over eight years. I mean, it's a risk down the line because you've got, still got to pay it eventually, but they're investing heavily in their squad now in the hope that over the next couple of years, that will stand them in good stead. They won't have to do a lot more business, um, perhaps even get some, some players out over the next few years. So they're doing their squad rebuild and refresh now um, but it'll be interesting to see how FIFA react to, to that, this level of expenditure because everybody else across Europe, let alone in England, everybody else in Europe is going, what? And they think the Premier League is just um, a cash cow anyway and, and just the spending is just ridiculously off the, off the scale. Now Chelsea have come in and done what they did under Roman Abramovich and just take it to another level. Mm. It almost feels like, you know, we're talking, I looked at Leicester's business over this transfer window and they've committed £40 million with add-ons as well to the Suter deal and to the Christensen deal. But that doesn't feel like anything compared to some of the expenditure at other clubs. It's just extraordinary. So they've brought in uh, Enzo Fernandez. They've brought Mikhailo Mudrik from uh, from Ukraine, Benoit Badiashile, who's a defender, Malo Gusto, who's a, a fullback, and then another two or three players on top of that. There was about seven or eight players that they brought in in this window alone, let alone the off-season transfer window before the season started. So Todd, yeah. Todd Bowley's opened the wallet. Is You say it's um, they're setting up their squad now. Is that the play? Because right now it looks like a short-term play to me, just looking at it sort of uh, on, on, at a surface level because it's very aggressive and they're in 10th right now and they want to climb back up the table. But is it is it built for the long term? Well, got a, a long-term plan. I mean, a lot of these lads are very young. Been, as I said about the, the, the sign is Leicester making, you know, there's prospects of them improving and getting better. And when you make so many changes to your squad, especially in a window like a January window, you know, there's no guarantee these lads will all gel together and and, and become that team, like have that understanding on the pitch that you need. I mean, look at Forest. Forest basically rebuilt their, their squad completely. Mm. In the in the summer, Nottingham Forest, and had a disastrous start to the season. As, as a result, it's only over time now that it's all started to settle down, and they're finding their feet. Some of these players that they, you're starting to see the benefit of all that business that they did. So it's always a risk when you make a lot of changes to your squad, especially mid-season. Um, so I don't. I think I think they've pretty much written off this season, Chelsea. I think they if they, they they obviously would like to qualify for Europe. That would be a huge bonus for them. But I think they've got one eye on next season and trying to be genuine title contenders. The uh, the price tag and now the pressure and the expectation that comes with uh, with Enzo Fernandez arriving at Chelsea, especially after his World Cup, winning the Young Player of the Tournament, can that sort of can that put a lot of uh, can that put a lot of weight on his shoulders? Do you think he'll be able to handle it now yeah. arriving in the Premier League? Well, yes. I mean, it will be. There will be a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation for that. That amount of money to be invested in him, um, it's how he deals with that. I mean, I have to say, though, I mean, he's just gone through the World Cup, the greatest footballing stage, and it comes around every four years. You know, he plays with Lionel Messi you know, and uh, so many other talented players, you know, and so he must have gained a huge amount of belief and confidence from that. He, he must know that this is a stage set for him. So I can't imagine confidence will be too much of a, of a problem, but... 
if he gets off to a slow start, if the fans, I mean, there's, there's sometimes the atmosphere in grounds, you know, when the expectation is so high and, and if it isn't met, that can change. Um, so he, he needs to get off to a decent start, but um, I think he's got enough about him to cope. <laughs> What's happened with uh, with Joao Cancelo, the fullback at Manchester City, and his relationship with Pep Guardiola? Because he's been loaned out to Bayern Munich. Yeah, uh, exactly. When your manager's calling you Mister Cancelo, uh, you know, <laughs> depersonalising you in some ways. I think you know the writing's on the wall. Uh, there must have been a breakdown. I mean, I don't know from inside Man City, but it looks like from the outside there was um, there's been a breakdown in, in their relationship. And uh, and in that when that happens, I mean. Pep is entrenched so much at Man City. Safest job in football. You know, it's time for Cancelo to move on and, and uh, get his career going again. But uh, it's a shame such a talented player and I had him in my fantasy team as well, so I've got to change it now. <laughs> and on the league leaders, Arsenal, they missed out on Mudrik, who went to Chelsea. They missed out on Moises Caicedo, who wouldn't be let go by Brighton. Um, Yuri Tillemans or Declan Rice now looks like it's going to be a summer move. But they did pick up a couple of reinforcements with Jorginho from Chelsea, uh, Leandro Trossard from Brighton, and they also got Jakub Kivia, the Polish defender from Italy, who's a youngster. Um, should Gunners fans be pleased at how they've reinforced their team with talent? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that side's already ticking. That side didn't need too much doing to it. I mean, those two players, Jorginho and Trossard in particular, I think will um, give them a little bit of extra something. Going forward, Jorginho certainly will bring a lot of experience to that midfield. I mean, a lot of people... We're looking at the business being done yesterday and we're picking out that Jorginho deal for £12 million has been probably the bargain of the day. So um, we've seen the quality he's shown at Chelsea. Not the most mobile as he ever used to be, but you know he'll sit in front of that back four and he'll protect them and he'll use his experience and, and he'll guide those around him. I like Trussard as well. He's full of energy. Um, he's a big loss to, to, to Brighton. So they've added a couple of decent signings and... Let's see if that's enough for them to hold off a push. I'm sure there'll be a push coming from Man City. And before we let you go, Rob, were there any others that uh, that really caught your eye on on deadline day? Oh, there were so many going on there. I mean, it, it's just interesting the ones because normally January transfer window is is, is uh, the window for the desperate, those that are fighting for their lives to see w- uh, what business they could do down there. And there was there was just the it was just the sheer volume of deals that were that, that were coming into clubs. And it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how they all settle down. I mean, clubs like Leeds were, were made, trying to do deals, even though there's some sort of uncertainty over the future of their ownership, the 49ers coming in there and who's making those decisions. You know, it, it, there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks around some of these clubs and, and, and the direction they're going in into the second half of the season and how that would affect them uh, in that final few months of the campaign. Rob, it's uh, it's uh, been a pleasure chatting to you tonight. Thank you for jumping on and recapping the uh, the transfer window with a particular lens through Harry Suter. And uh, we hope to chat to you again shortly. Yeah, thank you. Rob Tanner with us from The Athletic over in the UK recapping the transfer window, which uh, for the... Uh, for the summer, yes, no, the winter, sorry, winter transfer window over in the Northern Hemisphere uh, closed earlier today.